Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. 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 I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined. Well, I wasn't last week, but I am again this week by the mighty, megalithic, and merry Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? Merry? Wow, you think Christmas is approaching. I am mm. I am feeling good. I am excited. And you know how sometimes we have Guild Adepts on uh, the show, and, and the room smells like chocolate? Or we might have some uh, AL admins, and it smells like peanut butter? Well, I'm smelling Reese's here. You know, I think something crazy is going on, Chris. I'm not sure. What is this? Yeah, that's because today we have with us Lisa Chen, who has written The Ruins of Asari, Rotting Roots, is one of the DM Adepts, has collaborated on several projects with those folks, and is your new AL admin. But but what you might not know about her is that she's a floral designer by day, does a number of other creative things, including writing about topics surrounding being vegan and aesthetic living, creates dice bags, jewelry, vegan soap, helps redesign and rebrand, rebranded Chopped, a health-conscious fast food salad place as their chief copywriter and director of marketing, and she knits. In fact, she performed as a knitter during Jobina Tinsman's Killing Time, a knitted soundscape. And that's where I want to start, since I've been a musician and studied music in college, and I find postmodern experimental music fascinating, and this is about the most postmodern experimental thing I've ever heard of. Uh, we will have some more questions for her later, everybody. But first, Lisa, welcome to the show. And second, what was that like? Hi, <laughs> thanks so much for having <laughs> me on. And I don't think anyone has actually asked me about my knitting performance before. And I love that you did because that is like the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, basically, I had to knit like a 12 foot long scarf um, and then I was on stage and the knitting needles were connected to a soundboard. So whenever the needles clicked, it would play music. Um, and I believe my spot in the orchestra, I was first chair. So if there's any orchestra nerds <laughs> listening, they know that that's a big deal. Um, and I believe mine was the sound of butterfly wings against paper. Mm. Because just knitting music isn't odd enough. <laughs> So we're going to change the name of the show to Down with Knit and Pearl. Is that how it goes? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. This episode, uh, subtitled Down with Knit and Pearl. Thanks. <laughs> It was that whole thing was fascinating to me because, like I like I said, I've I studied postmodern music for uh, for a semester and and I have always kind of followed along with it since then. I've never heard of that before, and it was really cool how when the needles would connect, it would complete a circuit to uh, to trigger the sound effect. So that was that was pretty neat. Which, by the way, if anybody wants to listen to that, you can go to uh, Lisa's uh, blog, and there's a link there that will take you to the YouTube of that performance, which I watched earlier today. Crazy. Once again, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. We're going to do a few announcements, then we'll get back to you because we want to talk all about you and your your work with um, Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome. All right, Sean, where are we going now? What's first? The first is a couple weeks ago, we announced the launch of the Creature Codex from Cobalt Press, the Kickstarter. And with 17 days to go as of this recording, they have topped 2,000 backers and they are over 13... A hundred, sorry, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Boy, that's te that's ten times what I thought it was. One hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollars. It's it'll be interesting. Tome of Beasts, which they put out a couple of years ago, re almost reached two hundred thousand. So it'll be interesting to see if that if the new book will beat that, and that might tell us if D and D is growing or not. Just one small indicator. I think I don't think there's really much of a. Uh... 
doubt that D&D has just been growing like crazy for the last couple of years. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I, I suppose it would be a solid metric to see if it is. Yeah. But, the, you know, it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. And if you're interested in, in not only that Kickstarter, but also just designing monsters in general, uh, James and Tricasso's show, Tabletop Babble, the last two episodes have talked about designing monsters um, and have interviewed six of the contributors to that podcast. So you can find uh, Don't Split the Podcast Network, Tabletop Babble, in our show notes. We do love that don't split the podcast network uh, shows. I totally backed that Kickstarter. Excellent. Yeah. And if you do, um, you're actually, they, they're taking uh, submissions for monsters from their backers. So I've been like brainstorming all like the weird funky <laughs> creatures I could help submit. Oh yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great little benefit to backing that Kickstarter is just to throw a monster in there and see, uh, See if where it ends up. It'll be reviewed by a team of you know three or four monster designers, and if you're chosen, then you could get your own monster published. What are you thinking about pitching, Lisa? Um, I uh, haven't come up with anything I really like so far, um, so I don't know which ideas I want to throw out there into the world. I could see a knitting monster, a knitting monster that does thunder damage. <laughs> thunder damage, yeah. Except when he when it when it fails to uh to hit on its attack, it just makes a sound that sounds like butterfly wings on paper. That's right. <laughs> there you go. What's next, Sean? A few months ago, Sly Flourish had a Kickstarter for Fantastic Adventures. If you failed to back that Kickstarter, and I don't know why you wouldn't back that Kickstarter, because Sly Flourish is pretty good at what he does, you can now buy Sly, Flourish, Sly Flourish's Fantastic Adventures on DriveThruRPG. So in this book, it's uh, 10 short adventures for 5th edition. Uh, each adventure is written for 2nd to 5th level characters and is designed so James can drop them into any fantasy campaign world, whether you run a homebrew setting or a published game world. These adventures will fit in uh, either as the main adventure or possibly side quests to be undertaken by your characters in your game. So that's a, and those maps are beautiful, by the way. I love them because they're not really maps like you would think of. Like they're not gridded or anything like that. They're, uh, they're more just like uh, these beautiful art pieces that you can use for uh, inspiration or to throw down and be like, well, where are you on this map? It's good for sort of that middle theater of the mind style play. And for one, or maybe both of those fantastic projects he did, because they he also had fantastic locations. Mm-hmm. They actually released just the art from it because the art was so beautiful. So, you know, if you're into it for the art, if you're into it for the adventure, um, that's something you can check out on drive through RPG. So what's the last thing we have for our announcement, Sean? Oh, I just wanted to thank Sean McGovern. Um, he invited me to play in the finale of his Return of the Lizard King campaign. And so I got to play a strange mutated version of Bayer the Pine Wilden. And it oh. was pretty cool. And he has the, the first episode was released a while ago. And he's going to be releasing the next few um, in a bit. But I just wanted to thank him for, for that invitation. I had a lot of fun. It was a two-hour session. Finished up the campaign on a quite a high note i think and sean is just quite a powerhouse in the D world right now um he's got a blog up uh you well let's do it this way you can follow him on twitter at powerscore rpg um he's also got his blog which is named the same there 
Uh, he streams his games, and he also has some pretty interesting products on the DMs Guild. Um, the latest is the Tomb of Annihilation Companion, which has reached gold status in a very short amount of time. And to hit that status without being an Adventures League product is pretty uh, – says a lot about it. He also put out uh, a Miracle's Guide to Devils, which also reached gold status, and it's all about the devils. So – if you don't follow Sean on Twitter, you probably should start doing that and check out his other stuff. Do you have any uh, experience with Sean, Lisa? I I love Sean. Uh, Power Score RPG. Um, he Powerhouse is right. I'm a I was a fan of his blog for a while. Where um, in addition to posting a lot of the content you mentioned, he does reviews. He archives everything that happens on Dice Camera Action. He is just an amazing contributor in the D&D community. Uh, but then recently, he's actually invited me to a few of his streams. Um, I guested in his Tomb of Annihilation as Humility the Auntie Bard, uh, and then brought Humility back uh, to play a few of the uh, Tier 1 Season 7 adventures uh, with uh, uh, Jim and Pruitt, the guys from WebDM, um, and also... Uh, I'm blanking on his name, his full name, but his name is Craig, and he's Nerdburger Craig on Twitter, who's another uh, RPG writer. Um, and that group was really, really wacky and fun. There were two Yanti in the group. Um, but Sean's a great DM. It was a good time. Yep. You are talking about Craig Campbell. Yes, Craig Campbell. Thank you. Also, he created the RPG Murders and Acquisitions uh, mm-hmm. and kickstarted that. So, yeah, good guy. And so check out those streams uh, and see if you are enjoying what Sean's laying down. We will have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. All right, let's get on with our main topic for the evening, which is you, Lisa. It's all about you, Lisa Chen, our newest AL admin. So first things first, let's talk about the ruins of Hisari. Hisari is just a small entry in the Tomb of Annihilation, and you flesh it out with a whole adventure. Uh, What is the ruins of Hisari about, and why should people pick it up for their games? Yeah, so for those... Um, who have Tomb of Annihilation or don't, uh, there's about a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs about the city of Hisari, uh, which used to be this hub for the Yonti uh, Empire. And then it mentions that something happened. Um, and now there's this big magical ward over the whole place. Um, and Yonti aren't able to uh, get any closer or... Um, there's like a antipathy ward. Um, and also the city has sort of like mm-hmm. crumbled and fallen underground. Um, and I, so, so I thought, well, that's interesting. I want to know more about that. Um, so my adventure is sort of trying to answer the mystery of uh, why the Yonti aren't able to return to Hisari. Um and if people don't mind a little bit of spoilers, um, what I really picked up on was uh, the Yonti's religion surrounding Dendar and the tie to nightmares and nightmare speakers. Um, and then completely separately, uh, it just kind of reminded me about beholders and they're reproducing through dreams. Uh, beholder basically dreams of another beholder and that beholder is born. Uh, And so my thought was, what would happen if you subjected a beholder to the most terrible nightmares imaginable with Dendar? Um, What terrible thing would you create? 
Uh, and so that's really what the Ruins of Asari is all about, those concepts. There's a really nice piece of art in the product too that has that depicted, if I remember correctly, because I, I have this uh, product. Yeah, my friend um, Jessica Thomas worked with me on um, a little bit of art uh, and all of the maps uh, in the adventure. Yeah, it's pretty disturbing. So if you uh, if you want to see what that looks like, you should probably pick it up. It's a it's it's a especially if you're afraid of snakes. Like maybe you shouldn't then, but I think you should anyway. <laughs> Face your fears. Um, Merrick Blackman actually reviewed Ruins of Asari super recently, like maybe this week or last week, um, and. One thing he mentions is that uh, it's quite a feat to make a beholder even scarier uh, than it already is. And I felt so proud. You should feel proud, especially if Merrick says good things. Because Merrick's, uh, I mean, we know Merrick and, and Merrick is generally a fan of, of the stuff we do. And we're a fan of the stuff he does. And we we think he's a, a quite a quality reviewer. So I, I had a question about one thing we'd like to talk about is process. Um, you know, when you're a creator, you have a process and sometimes your process changes from project to project. So what was your process like for this this adventure? Um, my process for Hisari and for most things that I do is I just start out by taking as many notes as possible and I let it them be very like stream of consciousness, even just um, like if I can't think of a way to verbalize my thoughts, just a word that will remind me of them. And I just write all over my notebook. I, if another person opened my notebook, I'd probably look like a crazy person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, from there, I just outline over and over and over again, uh, partially because I'm usually procrastinating from getting to the real writing part. Um, and, uh, I found that outlines actually really help. Uh, the struggle for me with actually getting words down is I want my actual writing to be perfect the first time I get words on paper. Um, and outlines let me essentially do the writing without that pressure. Um, and then eventually I reach a point where it's like, well, you, you can't really make a 15th outline. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I write stuff out. Uh, and Ruins of Hisari, I actually had the opportunity to play test with a group of people at my friendly local game store. Um, and uh, they had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, a few things came up where I realized I needed to judge the adventure a little bit. Uh, so it was good to have that opportunity to, to play test the full thing. Oh, most definitely. So speaking of your friendly local gaming store, uh, you're an Adventures League organizer at your local gaming store. Is that correct? I am. Now, uh, how did that play into your uh, ascension to the associate community manager for the Adventurers League. Oh my goodness. I, this year has been the craziest whirlwind of my life. It was only, um, not this past October, but the year before. So like 14 months ago, I was starting my Adventurers League night with two tables uh, after like begging everyone else I knew to do it because I was really scared of DMing. And then I decided, okay, fine, I'll just DM and I'll, I'll start this. Um, and from there, I really, really, really wanted to bring an epic to the store, even though the store wasn't that big. I was like, well, we can jam tables in, we can make it happen. So I was one of the first people running epics out of a store um, and was interacting a lot with the admins, in, partic in particular, Bill Benham. And doing that, I think I was just um, generally friendly. I was on uh, the admins' radar from bugging them all the time for new epics coming out. and. 
um, seeing what other cool events I could organize for my store and what opportunities I could get for my gamers there. Uh, and I was invited to uh, write for season seven of Adventures League. Um, while I was still doing that, I was then invited uh, to be one of the inaugural guild adepts uh, by Chris Lindsay. Um, and then it was just like opportunity after opportunity kept coming up. And I threw, I think, a lot of passion and a lot of hard work. And I'm generally likable, I'd, I'd hope. Um, and so one day, Chris Lindsay asked, so how would you like to be a community manager for Adventurers League. Um, and I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> like, where do I, where do I sign up? <laughs> Can I get this in paper before it goes away? Um, and uh, <laughs> it's one of the most exciting things. I, Adventurers League changed my life. So um, that I get to be a part of bringing it to more people uh, is a really big deal to me. Yeah. Grinded that SP. <laughs> That's a really cool story. I like that. You just, you, uh, you, you, gr- did did the work you grinded and you took advantage of every opportunity that came your way you know it's it's funny that i've heard so many people say well D or gaming has changed my life and i've heard even people say exactly what you just said which was you know the adventures league or organized play changed my life and and it, it's so true in in a lot of cases that just putting yourself out there and taking on the burden sometimes, even though it's not always a burden, but the burden of helping other people have fun can lead to, you know, your own opportunities. It's just, it's just an interesting phenomenon. I've seen over and over and over again over, you know, the last 15 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I knew how much D&D meant to me, but uh, unfortunately the game store where I started my Adventures League night did close. Um, we're, we, we found a new home uh, pretty quickly, um, but when that was happening, like a lot of the people who come to my AL night were really worried that I wouldn't find a new place for it um, and that it was going to end. And so I had a lot of people who... I mean, I see every week, I game with every week, uh, who just came to me and like had heart-to-heart conversations about how much like this one night a week of gaming really makes their lives so much better. All of the crap you have to deal with at like your job if you don't love your job or whatever, just a lot more bearable. And uh, um, God, I cried so much. (laughs) (laughs) There's also I uh, I heard over on on Dragon Talk. Uh, it it was more than that. D and D is more than that to you because, like you, um, you were not satisfied doing what you were doing before this, and now you're like a full time creative, right? Yeah, I after college spent five years working a corporate job. I was actually the head of marketing for a restaurant company in the city, uh, in New York City, and after five years, it had felt like, I mean, I. I like my job. I do get to do some creative stuff in my work. Um, I really love the people, but there was something about it that just didn't feel fulfilling. And it felt like I could make a career out of this or I could leave and take a year off, which thankfully working that amount of time um, in a corporate job afforded me to do. Uh, So it was a really hard and terrifying decision. And I left and immediately sort of felt like, oh my God, what did I do? (laughs) I wonder if they'll take me back. Um, uh, But 
kind of fell into D and D by accident almost. I think I was watching uh, the Guild on YouTube and then was trying to find more things by Geek and Sundry, stumbled on their Twitch and accidentally started watching Critical Role. Um, and I was like, well, that looks really fun. I would at least like to do that. So I have something to spend my days doing. Uh, and I started playing D&D, um, both online and at my local gaming store uh, and loved it so much. I was basically playing in a game every day. Um, and the people that I met, and I think the opportunity to be a different person who could just by rolling dice conquer the monsters in her life helped me regain a lot of the confidence I'd left lost, um, in that weird transitional period, uh, gave me the confidence to go out and get the floral designer job, which is what I do for my day job now, um, and gave me eventually the confidence to start this Adventurers League night, start dungeon mastering, uh, start writing, um, and get opportunities like being invited to your podcast, which would normally uh, really terrify me. I don't like public speaking, uh, (laughs) but just say yes and just see what happens. This isn't public speaking. This is having a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i that's right it's crazy imagining what my life would be like without D. &D. yeah so what was your background in writing before before you started um all this Uh, my background in writing before uh well i was a journalism and economics double major um and in fact i chose the school that i went to uh, because it had a strong student newspaper i was a big uh, newspaper nerd in high school Um, so for the longest time thought i would go into journalism and when that didn't uh, pan out and, and i fell into marketing Um, it was really nice getting back into writing because I guess really my roots in writing are from uh, reading a lot as a kid and wanting to uh, write stories for people. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Winter Fantasy is coming up not too far from now, like it's in like a month and a half or so, I imagine. Um, Are you going to be there, Lisa? I will. I will be at Winter Fantasy, and I will be spending the whole time DMing Ruins of Asari over and over <laughs> and over again. I'm excited. It's going to be my first time DMing at a convention, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering if you had anything else going on since you are now the Associate Community Manager, if you had any responsibilities at the con. Oh, um, I don't think so. I might be finding out soon. I'm not officially the associate community manager until January 1st, although I have been helping out uh, with some stuff behind the scenes like the Midwinter Festival. Uh, I know that we'll have like some meetings and such, but uh, aside from just being there and uh, DMing, um, I think that that's it. Can you talk about that Midwinter Festival for a minute for us? Absolutely. Uh, it is my first little Adventures League project. So that's my little baby. Um, uh, so the Midwinter Festival, uh, we really wanted to do something for the holidays. And so Chris Lindsay roped me in and was like, well, Lisa probably has some fun ideas for items. So uh, Alan and I were brainstorming lots of really different 
fun and punny um, midwinter festival items. And I liked all of them. So I thought, well, can we just do like a whole month long celebration and give people presents and have fun activities? Uh, and Alan is awesome and said yes. Uh, so it is a month long event happening in the Adventures League online community. Uh, that includes uh, the Facebook group, uh, the Twitter, um, at D&D underscore ADV League, uh, and also the blog, dndadventurersleague.org. Um, and uh, different certificates are being posted just as presents. Uh, last week, there was an interactive activity, which was our trivia booth, um, and a photo booth submission contest. Um, and Alan just posted today about a special midwinter-themed adventure that will be going on the DMs Guild very soon this week. Uh, so lots of really cool holiday-themed activities and items uh, are are going on uh, in D&D Adventures League Online. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I like that a lot. And you know what's awesome is, you know, over the years, organized play has kind of just been a shadow of the larger uh, – you know, the larger hobby. So, you know, D&D, 3rd Edition, 4th Edition, and so on – the organized play was there, but it was basically just your typical living campaign. And they'd do some neat things, but it, but it kind of kept the same format. And now with 5th edition, we're seeing you know streaming games and different crafts and, and all these other things starting to get a foothold within the hobby. And it's great that we have someone like Lisa who can take – what's going on in the main hobby and bring it into the organized play portion of the, of the thing, because we really need to see that to continue to grow the organized play stuff in adventures league, right along with the hobby as a whole. Yeah, I agree a ton. I mean, my whole mindset is uh, that I really want to amplify the community aspect of Adventurers League. I mean, that's what Adventurers League is all about. You can take your character to any convention or game in another state, even in another country, if you're able to, to find an event going on um, and meet people and your character is building friendships and you're building friendships. Um, but then we also have this online side that connects everybody. Uh, when I was on Dragon Talk recently, Greg Tito brought up that D&D Adventures League is kind of like the MMO of tabletop. Um, and it really is. It's that That's a really cool aspect of it. Uh, so I would love to figure, it, figure out ways uh, to, to take advantage of that uniqueness um, and also just to feature the community more uh, in what the content that the admins produce, like sharing, even if that's as simple as sharing images of the different tables all around the world that we have going. Yeah, I, I like that analogy of, of organized play as the MMO. And I think that in the past, it it has been that way, but sometimes even to, to its detriment, because with an MMO, sometimes it's the hardcore players that kind of stay and other people come in, but then they kind of see how, how, how dedicated you have to be to keep up with everyone. Whereas something like this, you can let people who aren't playing every day still contribute uh, by, you know, posting pictures or, or creating things or, or having cool little neat certificates that they can think about and play with. And, and it, it doesn't have to be the hardcore player that, that rules the roost. It could be everyone's playground. And I, I love that idea. Yeah. I love that. It was 
uh, the Midwinter Festival ideas that I contributed 100% inspired by MMO holidays, <laughs> like weird festivals and like limited edition items and all of that. Like I, I love that stuff. Um, yeah. So totally uh, stole those ideas a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. It's always good to steal stuff from places that are doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So I wanted to ask one more question about the uh, being a guild adept. Um, so how has that experience been for you? you know, have, has, it, has it been as joyful as it could be? Have there been challenges? You know, what have you thought about the process and the people that you've been working with? And I won't hold it against you if you have anything bad to say about any particular adept. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it has actually, I think for me in particular, been an amazing experience because of all of the adepts, I'm certainly the greenest um creator uh for D D. And so for me it was just getting to be a part of this little community where everyone um is so kind and so willing to help, uh, but also setting the bar really, really, really high for me, uh, which I love. Um, and everyone has been really kind. I'd say their most recent collaboration, Xanathar's Lost Notes, uh, was probably the one where I really felt like I got to truly collaborate, not just contribute a piece of the project. Um, I contributed the Chaos Warlock patron, um, and Rudy Rutenberg uh, edited that. And it was a lot of back and forth. It started out even though it was called the chaos being a very demon flavored warlock, because I felt like uh, the infernal domain is very devilish. And I feel like demons are totally different um, and deserve their own patron. Um, And in going back and forth with him, sometimes maybe parts of the process felt uncomfortable because these ideas that I had were being challenged. Uh, But I think that the end result, which is um, a warlock uh, whose patron is born from chaos and comes from the different uh, chaotic realms and planes is so unique. The flavor is really very cool and it's a million times better than if I'd written it myself. Now, if, if, am I correct in remembering that uh, James Tricasso put that up on his World Builder blog? He put up, I believe, uh, the Fae Sorcerer, another really good one. Okay. I thought it might have been that one, but uh, I stand or sit, as it were, corrected. I'm curious, Sean, how have you felt about doing Gilded Up stuff? Oh, good question. I, I can't really... Uh, differ much from what you said. You know, everyone has been really nice and not afraid to to challenge. And you know, sometimes I feel like I've been around long enough that people will read something I've written and just kind of either say, "Well, it's not that good," but I'm not going to challenge him, or he must know what he's doing. And so it was great to have, like you said, Rudy uh, come back and say, "Hey." You know, what about this? Or have you thought about that? And, you know, it's it's great to have someone who has your back and will work with you to make something the best it can be. And so that's been a great feature for this for me. Um, so I, I think I pretty much concur with, with what you're saying. And I think it took us a while. Um, when, when, when we first 
heard about this, we all kind of ran off and did our own things and collaborated a little bit here and there. But after we got that out of our system and realized that we had this great uh, pool, uh, we've really been uh, hitting it hard. And I think we're going to continue to do that as as new seasons of stories roll through uh, our D&D hobby. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the other big collaborative ideas that we come up with. I also think even in um, the projects like uh, our encounters, encounters in Port Nianzaru and encounters in Chalt, uh, it's really cool just even just reading the different encounters, all of the guild adepts have really different styles and really different types of encounters and ways of thinking about encounters that they bring to the table. Uh, so that was really cool that Chris Lindsay was able to curate the group that way. Sure. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And remember a long time ago, he had us write little paragraphs about what's it like to, you know, to interact and to, and to work to collaborate. Um, that finally went up on the uh, Dragon Plus, the latest edition of Dragon Plus. It did? The one posted today? Yes, it just came out today. <gasps> oh, wow. I was wondering what was going to happen with that. Cool. So uh, if anyone wants to read the Guild Adept's own words about what it's been like to work with each other, um, go to the newest edition. It just came out as of today's recording, uh, the newest Dragon Plus, and that has uh, all our information. And some of us got very long-winded. I'm not going to name <laughs> names, but uh, <laughs> yeah, who could it be? Yes, the, the old man. Uh, but it was it's just an interesting to interesting exercise to read everyone's words and see what everyone has to say about it. All right. Well, uh, Lisa, is there anything else you want to let the folks at home know about you or what you're working on? Um, let's see. We talked about the Midwinter Festival and Hisari. I, I think that we we covered everything. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week on Down with D&D. And I hope sometime in the future when you have some more stuff coming out, we'll have you back. Absolutely. I hope so too. With that, I would uh, like to say thank you to all the patrons who who sponsor the show and help us make the show happen. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate you. Um, if you folks out there could go back and re-up your, re-up your pledge levels because of that whole fiasco with Patreon that occurred, I would greatly appreciate it so I could read off your names because I don't really have you in the right places at the moment. I don't remember where you go. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, with that, speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down With D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website. And for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for $5 a month, you not only get a shout-out, but you also get our pre-production show notes. And we try to give patrons little extras on an every-other-week schedule. And I'm actually working on a monster right now that I want Chris to put up as soon as it's done. Oh, nice. Uh, if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. Those reviews help us, even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, because many other podcatchers use that Apple Podcast as their way to rate and rank the shows. And that would make us more visible. Hey, Lisa, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can check me out on my website, Lisa Chen, L-Y-S-A-C-H-E-N dot com, or ping me on Twitter at MercifulDM, uh, Merciful also with a Y. Mm-hmm. Not merciless, merciful. Merciful. There you <laughs> I'm go. I'm a nice one. That's right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the Down with D&D G Plus community. How about you, Chris? You can catch me also at uh, at Down with D&D on the Twitters or at Misdirected Mark, or you can just go to the website where you can catch other great shows just like this one. So 
Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. This will be coming out sometime this month because I'm editing it right now. Uh, Wayne Chang and Robert Aducci take a monthly dive into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of D&D. So tune in for that if you want to uh, catch catch some more D&D. There you go. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, buddy old pal, uh, what are we going to do now? That's a good question. Lisa, what do you think we should do now? Let's go kill some monsters. Yeah. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?